Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Thinking of what other people's framework is for something, you're purely coming at it from what you you believe, what you feel, what you want to know, what you want to learn. Um, whereas I think when we're out in a certain environment, um, I mean, how often do we find ourselves living our lives based on somebody else's set of values or framework, right? So I think it's probably been easier over the last 18 months for people to become more familiar with what's really important to them and what their values are. Um, and it'll be, it'll be a little sad if we, if we lose that again. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Doozy Days podcast. I'm your host, Miranda Doozy, and today I have a very special guest. Um, I'm very excited to introduce her, and then we're going to give her the stage to introduce herself. And uh, this is going to be a very juicy and exciting episode, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, so everybody, this is Jay Lynn Stewart. She is a multidisciplinary and amazing human. Uh, so she's got a lot of different topics that we're going to discuss. And um, so the way that I know her is actually through my mom. And I started joining in on her Pilates classes. And then I had um, learned so much more about her. And it turns out she's just the coolest person in the world. So of course, she's got to make an appearance on the Doozy Days podcast. So uh, I will let you take the stage and do a quick introduction on all of the very amazing and interesting things that you do. All right. Thanks, Miranda. So uh, cool. Well, it takes one to know one. So I think that's, that's why we're both here now. Um, so yeah, I, my professional name is Jalen Stewart, and that's just a, a social media effort to um, uh, disconnect myself from someone else with similar, a similar name. So Jalen Stewart is the, is the name I uh, can be found under, but I've also um, done a few other things in my life. And so uh, I've also done music and I called myself Janice Lynn. Um, so, and yeah, in terms of what I've done or my background, I uh, spent about 15 years in, uh, as an entrepreneur running a Pilates studio, uh, but there's more to be said on that than just running a Pilates studio. And prior to that, I worked in finance, I did an MBA, um, I did a psychology degree, um, and now I'm back uh, sort of full circle in a finance role, uh, but a little older and wiser and recognizing that um, you can't just do a job, you have to really find uh, a way to bring together um, the things that you care about and that are important to you so that whatever you're doing, you're doing it um, very authentically because that's good for everybody around you, but it's also good for you uh, to be working from such a deep place that uh, you know you don't tire as much um, if you're coming from an authentic place that you care about. Oh, absolutely. That's a really important thing that I hope that most people take away from this is that you can do what you love and make money doing it, um, or at least somehow manage to include it into your life so that you're living a more purposeful and meaningful and fulfilling life. So 
Um, that's one thing that I know you're really good at. You do so many cool things. So I'm excited. Yeah. And the fact that you do music as well. So you go under Janice Lynn and um, if anyone wants to check that out, we will link that below so they can hear you sing. Um, it'll be a great treat. And so Lynn, why don't you let us know other things just in your life that give you purpose, um, that make you feel the most alive and why you, you know, or how you went about including those just into your life. Um, yeah, like I think it just, something you said just triggered uh, a very early memory. So um, when I was uh, about in my 20s, things happened around me um, and they were, things happened in my family, with my friendships, with my work, and they kind of all fell apart around the same time. And I got lost and I got lost for probably two years. And I think if anyone had been paying attention, they might've recognized it um, as a bit of depression, but nobody was paying attention because all these big facets of my life had fallen away. And when I finally found my way clear, I think what I recognized is that in our lives, we're almost, um, you know, basing our life the way that you would build a bar stool. It's gonna have four legs. And if it only has three, then it's a little precarious. And so what I recognized is that if I imagined my life as a bar stool, not at a bar, but just a stool, yeah. um, and if it has four legs to it, what are those legs? So one would be, you know, things that you're doing work-wise that make you feel competent. Another one would be family that makes you feel like you're part of something. You know, friendships become like that social interaction where you express yourself. And the fourth thing, um, you know, could be uh, any one of those things enhanced. So what I figured out when I started to find my way clear was that fourth leg that kind of started to bring some stability back to my life was education. And being in school, being part of something structured, um, yeah, just became the thing that actually helped me find my way out of this lost time in my life. So I think if I circle back to that, awareness, whether it's conscious some days or not other days, I like to have different things going on because I think those things all um, are kind of mirrors into who we are and it helps us define who we are, see who we are, have an image of where we're at. And if, you know, one of those mirrors crashes, you've still got the other ones to look into. But I think the, the challenge is that we do get so hyper-focused on one thing and we make one thing the only thing that reflects back to us who we are. And then if that thing is you know, marred or unstable, we get very lost. So yeah, I think you know, in most careers demands everything of us, you know, our role as parents, as mothers, is they, that demands so much of us too. And so I think we're all at risk of, you know, this, this stool toppling over and we fall or the mirrors smash and we can't see who we are anymore. So I think my happiest time is when I have a few things, a few irons in the fire, uh, a few different projects that demand different things of me um, and show me a different part of myself. If that, if that sort of provides insight or framework for anyone else out there. 
Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. And it, and it's um, a big thing I find is with education. I like that you brought that one up too. Um, I find like to be a lifelong learner, right. And to just constantly be trying to develop yourself further and challenge yourself um, from what you've picked up and learned. And I think it's a huge um, tool that to just continuously be seeking things to learn. Um, and that helps with that mirror, that reflection of who you are um, in, in those challenges that learning new things faces. That's awesome. Yeah, I think it, I mean, because of uh, the Pilates studio that I ran for 15 years, I started to delve into other holistic modalities and the idea of chakras and how each different chakra reflects kind of a different part of us just suddenly started to make sense to me. And so, you know, the chakra that manifests our strength or confidence um, is, is, I guess, one of the things that I feed myself. I always feed that part of myself is um, feeling competent, feeling, you know, like I have something to offer the world. And I don't think everybody would necessarily uh, move towards feeding that chakra or that part of themselves. Some people are maybe stronger relationally. And so they might actually, you know, seek um, connection and, and something like that more so than I might. I mean, I still do that too. I'm, I'm, I'm love the social, but yeah. So I think, I think if you start to understand that we all have some part of our personality that wants to be fed a little more. Um, and that can be good to recognize that that's part of our personality and know that when we're feeling really down, it could be that that very important part of our system um, just isn't getting enough stimulation or inputs. Um, so yeah, and that's, I mean, if I spoke about my passion, it would really be about helping people understand what that is for them so that, you know, they knew how kind of in the moment or on a certain day, you know, well, what, what might I go do now? It's just kind of like when you're hungry, what do I want to go get to eat? But when you're feeling, you know, sad or anxious, um, you know, what is it that my system needs right now to, uh, to, to help me find my way through this, if that makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And you, you found that um, just like recognizing the different chakras and how they play a part. So like, I, I remember trying to look into it. I'm not, do you remember what they all are? Um, I know there's, there's seven of them. So and there's I the know roots. The yeah, root. there's, well, the way I, the way I've built it, the model in my mind is the root chakra um, is the chakra connects you that's, uh, grounding you. So whatever you're a part of could be your community, your family, a tribe, right? So if you're part of something, you can be there. You can have the t-shirt on with the label on the back, but you might be on a coffee break, but you've got the t-shirt on, you've got the team name on your back, you're part of something. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like an easy place to be because you don't have to perform um, or be your best version of yourself. Cause again, you've got the t-shirt on team name is on it. I'm here. I'm part of this. Yeah. So rooting and grounding and feeling part of something, 
um, is number one. And then you've got your sacral chakra. No, that is your sacral chakra. No, wait, then. Then you've got your sacral chakra, which is, oh, it's all a state confusing my mind. But um, then there's this part of ourselves that is our vulnerability, our openness, our authenticity, our creativity, um, our individuality. So that's like the second one up. That's kind of in the belly. And that's, um, you know, are we connecting to people, to another person? Are we sharing exactly who we are? Um, or on the other side of that, are we flying solo, but being very creative, you know, writing, being artistic, expression, expressing things that we feel. And then the third one is the solar plexus. And that's kind of around the rib cage and the chest a little bit, um, which is more about, uh, again, confidence. Um, and I always, I always love this discrepancy, this, this thing they talked about, they said, you can have a healthy ego or an unhealthy ego. And so when you're feeling competent and strong and confident, then the next way of understanding it is these are gifts that I have that I can share with the world. And that's a healthy ego is where my gifts are part of sharing and bringing something forward to the world. An unhealthy ego would have a little distortion on that and kind of, you know, want an award for being so great or winning first prize for being so great. So, um, yeah, so that's the third one and that's competency. And uh, then the fourth one is heart centered. And so that is where you are sharing out to the world. So those to me are all very um, almost like actionable chakras in a way, as in you can feed them. And then I think when you look at throat chakra, third eye, and then the crown chakra, I feel like in the way I understand them, those are manifestations of having fed all these other elements well. So if I feel confidence, if I feel like I'm you know, sharing with the right people, and if I'm doing it from an authentic place and I feel calm and grounded, then my voice um, and what I say is going to be positive, full of inspiration, um, strong, all those good things that come out of your voice. And then the third eye is this capacity then to um, uh, see the big picture and not to get hyper-focused on one thing because that's probably where a lot of our anxieties come from. And um, so I think a lot of this then ties back in to what I did in Pilates, which is helping people with posture. And to me, their posture was very connected to these things we just talked about within the chakras. And so posture could be um, reflecting some of the weaknesses or some of the areas that didn't get fed in their lives by the things they did. Um, yeah, and then the crown chakra feels very relevant and timely to all that we're going on with today with inclusion and diversity because if all these things are being fed well and you're feeling like you're in balance, you have a much greater capacity to stay open to where anyone else is in their journey more compassionate, you know, you'll, you'll have more um, space for people to show up differently, which, yeah, so I don't know. <laughs>
Oh, that's awesome. That, I was I was hoping that you would give me a breakdown and I was like the best break. I was involved in that. I was like, <laughs> I needed to hear that. That was, I really <laughs> like how you brought um, the, like the core kind of chakras, the first four, and then having it um, reflect the way that you may be coming at, like the mate, you may be presenting yourself um, based off of how those are settled. And um, I, I really like that. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. Um, and then, so with all that, um, have you been able to use those in overcoming specific struggles or, or challenges that you face, like using, whether it's understanding your chakras and maybe if they're aligned or not, or, um, a physical sensation, like, is there something that you do to like help yourself navigate through challenges, um, it's whether it's physical or spiritual the way that you're responding to them is there something that you do or that you would suggest people kind of look for um I think like yeah like you can probably use all of that information uh I could say diagnostically right to sort of understand what's happening in a space that you're in like um sometimes when we're uh uncomfortable in a space or we don't feel like we belong, I almost believe that um, that means we're not rooted. And so then I think we go into depression because depression is almost a rooting energy. So when we're not rooted healthy wise, I think that our emotions almost might try to create a balance, even though it's a dysfunctional balance. So rooting and grounding and depression kind of all have a similar energy. It's just whether or not it's a positive approach to finding that energy. So diagnostically, you know, if you first start to recognize, I feel, I feel ungrounded. I don't feel like I belong here. You'll notice your voice starts to quiet down. You lose your voice. So diagnostically, if you're recognizing that early on, maybe then you can take constructive approaches to uh, creating a feeling of rootedness. And constructive could be a lot of different things. It could be changing where you are because it's not where you should be. Um, but if you can't do that, then you can actually like, you know, look at foods that are grounding. You can look at like a warm drink that's grounding. Um, you can look at meditation, at breathing, at, uh, physical connections to the earth. I mean, that's the thing that would be so amazing is rather than letting something uproot one part of our personalities and then, you know, not paying attention to it and then letting something dysfunctional like depression try almost to counteract that, it'd be nicer to say, oh, let's intervene before the solution. It's, it's almost like driving a car fast, like, you know, slow the slow it down before you hit something and recognize, you know, this was this was the wrong type of energy. Um, yeah. So so uh, so yeah. From from that perspective of not feeling rooted, not feeling like you belong. Um, but then there's also sometimes I think I recognize posturally that I'm uh, uh, in in fear, so I'll stand differently. Um, and it looks like confidence to other people, but it's actually fear because I've uh, created all this space around me um, and won't let anyone get close. So then if I like, if 
from a Pilates background, I'm like, okay, well, let's just physically change how we're standing and see if that changes how we're feeling. Um, and it does, it really does. Like posture, I think is so connected to um, all this other emotion and, and stuff. So yeah, I mean, yeah. Diagnostically, awareness wise, I think that's mostly how I use the chakras. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I get like that too. Like if I'm, if I feel confident and I feel um, uprooted and like I'm in my place and I'm, I'm speaking things I love and I'm being authentic, I feel like naturally my posture is up high. I feel like my voice is projecting and I feel like just really good all around. And I feel love and I feel connected to the people I'm with and, and with the message I'm sharing. But then if I'm in a place I'm uncomfortable, um, I'm quiet or my voice quivers, or if you have to speak on something that you're not confident with, you, you do feel smaller and, and like you can't project, you don't want to project, you feel disconnected. So um, I, that's really interesting. It is. Yeah, I would, I would think too that, um, you know, the last 18 months for people were working from home I would think people naturally feel grounded, more grounded and rooted than the lives we lived before where we were in motion all the time, be it on the go train or on the subway, you're in motion all the time and you're in an unfamiliar place. It's not your place. And you're gone nine hours of the day from this you know, sanctuary, this space that you call home. So, I mean, it is kind of funny when you think of all the people who don't want to go back to work. It's like, I think there's a good reason for that. I think mental health wise, like maybe there's, you know, something people are getting out of this work from home that they realize they were missing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, with that being in your space and almost connecting to that um, creativity part of you and that being like you have the space to think more freely without the fear of judgment externally um, so you don't have any outside things swaying you you can just almost think and be freely I think that has a big part to do with it is that you're able to actually like you're rooted um, and you're grounded where you are and that allows you to kind of work your way up um, the chak the chakras and and feel like yeah, you're in a creative space where you can be freely creative you can say what you want to say and then if you think that it was ridiculous no one else heard it so you don't feel judged <laughs> yeah or or you're not sort of having conversations or whatever you're doing thinking of what other people's framework is for something you're purely coming at it from what you you believe what you feel what you want to know what you want to learn um whereas I think when we're out in a certain environment um I mean how often do we find ourselves living our lives based on somebody else's set of values or framework, right? So I think it's probably been easier over the last 18 months for people to become more familiar with what's really important to them and what their values are. Um, and it'll be, it'll be a little sad if we, if we lose that again. Yeah, so. it's true. And that's where um, I've been trying to push is just self-awareness in general is recognizing first that you feel different now that you've been at home, which I think most people have probably recognized that, but then understanding like that you can go so much deeper with like looking into that 
rather than just being like, wow, I feel really at peace right now. <laughs> um, but like, look into it, be like, why, you know, what's different, you know, how is this shifting the way that you feel and why is it shifting you? Um, and, and just increasing that drive to want to be more self-aware and understand like what makes you tick, what your passions are and how you can kind of start to incorporate that into your life as you get back out into the world or whatever it is, um, including those things and bringing them with you in a way so that you don't lose that calmness that you got and the confidence that you gained and that self-awareness that you began um, cultivating. So yeah. And I think like I started a new career and it's in wealth management. So basically really digging into investing. Um, so then you're like, oh, you just have to have a lot of money in life. But over the last 18 months, I did a little, you know, exercise for about six months where I just lived really lean and, you know, kept a really, um, uh, strong budget in terms of I aligned it with my values and so it was interesting because now I'm like well how do we take this idea of living true to our values and mix it in with this other big important thing which is you know creating security for our future right and so you look at sort of how often we do things with ourselves our time our energy our money and we kind of, I mean, we're not always doing it because we want to, or we love to, or because it's, you know, important to us. Sometimes we're just doing it um, to keep up with others, you know, or because we were told it's, you know, an important thing to own or have or whatever. So I don't know. I mean, they talked, there's a guy who wrote an article about gaslighting and he wrote it three weeks after the pandemic started. Um, not knowing this was going to go on for 18 months, but he just kind of said, be careful because we've had this moment now to really back away from everything we were told that we should do or be or spend our money on or our time on. And he's, he's like, when this is all said and done, let's not go back to that way of um, expending everything that we have to bring to the world. Um, but it is, I mean, it's easy for it to get lost, right? I mean, you can already see that, um, you know, back to normal really, really is kind of happening, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. And um, yeah, I know, I, I remember initially people were like, let's use this, um, use this time for positive change. And hopefully people can hold on to those changes that they made that were positive um, when we do start to merge back uh, into the normal life. And yeah, finance was a big one is because like sometimes, especially because so freshly they have the new delivery food apps and everyone's using that and they stopped cooking and they started almost overspending on that. And then online shopping just in general has increased the amount that people spend. And so being more hopefully frugal um, with, with the spending and getting into finance and people, a lot of people got into cryptocurrency and a lot of people did start investing. Um, and I think that that's really cool that, that you started. When did you start learning about finance? Was it always? Uh, well, I worked in investment banking uh, originally when I came out of school. Um, and then this is a sort of a different arm being in wealth management because you're really dealing with 
um, clients and behavior and things like that. It's, it's a tough nut to crack the whole wealth um, dialogue, I find. I mean, it's, uh, it's kind of an all or none sort of topic for some reason. Some people are so in it, you know, they're trading every day, they're just, and the other people are just like, I don't want to know anything about it. So it's, it's a, uh, but it's interesting because when I ran my Pilates studio, um, it's fitness and going back 15, 20 years ago, I mean, you know, I had to find out who was on Oprah to decide to go to the gym and get on a treadmill. I was like, okay, Madonna's on Oprah. I'm going to go to the gym. So I didn't really want to go to the gym. It wasn't fun. It was very antisocial, like people, you know, kind of kept to themselves. So it wasn't really human interaction social. So yeah, but so then I opened this Pilates studio and I had just moved home from Nashville. So I'd lived in Nashville for a summer and found this, you know, place that felt so different to me because everybody said hello, everyone was connected and supported and part of community and you know, would help you forward to wherever you wanted to get to. So I came back and thought, okay, I wanna create that space here. And so the studio became to me, like really about building community around this thing called Pilates. So it worked because people loved coming to class because we would chat. I would teach a bit, I would tell a joke, we would chat a bit, we'd have conversation and it was interactive. So that was so important because, um, you know, people want to be part of something. They don't really just want to uh, be anonymous. So it, it worked, you know, and, and Pilates and fitness and the studio became something that people loved coming to. And they made so many friends and connections there and women who had, you know, gotten pregnant and moved to this area and didn't know anybody would suddenly have this whole new group of friends. And so I wonder if fitness was so, you know, difficult for people to stay consistent with. Um, and just by bringing in this new approach to it, I'm like, okay, can we do that for people when it comes to, I don't want to say money. I don't want to say finance and I don't want to say wealth. It's basically building a stable, secure future. It's, it's part of the rooting process, right? Is if we have some security or stability, um, we're grounded and rooted and we, we, we're healthier for so many reasons and we're psychologically healthier and you know physically we don't have as much stress. And so, yeah, but it's, it's a tough nut to crack because it's had a different framework around it forever. Um, and it's excluded uh, a lot of people um, in the way that it's been brought forward. So there's a concept called um, the democratization of wealth, which is basically that now we want everybody to have uh, this knowledge and all these you know, services and um, yeah. So it's, yeah, but it's a tough nut to crack. That's, I've said that three times now because uh, people don't like talking about it. And if they don't like talking about it, they're probably not doing anything great with it either, right? True, it's true. There's certain people 
even I spark a conversation with and immediately like, oh, you're into that? Like, let's talk about it. And they want to just, they, and then you can't stop the conversation, but then there's certain people you bring it up and it's just crickets. And yeah. it gets awkward. You're like, I'm not going to be like, I should probably stop. <laughs> and like, you pick it up within a second, like sometimes, you know, yeah. and uh, it, it is definitely uh, interesting yeah. to navigate. I, I was out with clients this past week and we were having a really great conversation on everything. We talked politics, religion, um, you know, a little bit of finance. But I said, like, it's, it's interesting because it was a very expansive conversation, right? Between the three of us, nobody was shutting down or clamping down on it. Um, and so we had an expansive conversation where we shared information and we all, you know, were sort of bigger and better because of the share. So it's, it's, it's trying to get, you know, this topic to be expansive, which I think means letting people know that um, there, there are, there are strategies, there are solutions, but yeah, it's, nobody wants to talk about it. <laughs> it is, it's tough to get, it's tough to get that um, conversation to go somewhere sometimes with certain people for sure. Yeah, I do think though that bringing it back to values um, can make it a little more personal then. Like, I mean, I know people who spend thousands of dollars, of course, on bikes or motorbikes, you know? So everybody has the thing that they will spend a lot of money on. Yeah. Um, and that's very personal and unique. Um, yeah. and, uh, so yeah, so, I mean, if, if you get a handle on what you really value and where you're spending your money, then I think we're less prone to be, uh, in this, this word of being gaslit, wherein I'm going to, I'm going to keep up with what I think is important to me, but I'm not going to be able to also keep up with everything that's important to you and what you spend your money on. Right. I can't. I can't have everything. I can't buy everything that everybody's buying, but yeah. Yeah. That's a good point because like, it seems like everybody's showing off their best life and like the things that they have, you're like, Ooh, that's nice. That could be nice. Would I like that? Would that fit for me? Um, but that's where I think the self-awareness and knowing comes into like knowing your values and your, your goals for your future and like what brings you passion. Um, so if you, you can have that in check and that in line. So before you go and purchase something, I used to speak about this topic called like creating your own code of ethics. So it's almost like this code that you have. So if you're, whether it's talking about, um, whether it's the way you speak, uh, the decisions you make and whether financially or emotionally is, does it cross your personal code of ethics that you create? So um, it's, it's like, mm. I'm a very, maybe I'm a very, uh, quiet person and I only speak my mind when I truly feel I need to or whatever it is for you you have this list of things that you act based off of so if you have that with your with your values in line then you know not to cross it or to overstep or outstep your your code and your way that you want to be 
um, even when it's tempting that other people are doing things that could be interesting. Um, just knowing yourself enough to know when you should take that step. Yeah, I like that. The code of ethics. That's uh, I feel like there's something to be to be done with that. Um, I also like I think what I figured out and I, I had a friend that I met when I, I did um, a stand up paddleboarding um, programs to learn to teach and then to teach yoga on the paddleboards. So I met somebody who um, always seemed to be going out for dinners with friends and drinking and I was like, oh yeah, I said, I, I kind of don't like do a lot of that. Like I love to go hear live music, but then I also like to meet people and go walking. And I said, that's kind of how I do a lot of my socializing. And the very next day she just changed everything and she stopped going for dinners and drinking because she just didn't want to, but it was all these people that she knew it was all they were doing. And she switched her life. It was hilarious. And every time I call her, she'd be going out to see live music now. And uh, I was like, okay. <laughs> like, but it was just, it was just like a, it was like a, an aha moment for me where I realized that I do social things, but I try to do them so that they're healthy or physically active. You know, I mean, I go for dinners once in a while and I go for drinks, but um, I gravitate more towards. So that's what, what I'm saying, though, is that I think we sometimes spend our time, energy and money trying to be part of something, trying to be connected with others to socialize. And so it does make it difficult sometimes to say, no, I'm not going for dinner because you want to be with your friends. Right. But sometimes it also means that you can be a bit of a leader and get other people to come and do the things that you love doing and invite them into something new, which we all love. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I really like um, that you're, you do center so much of your activities and your social life around, you know, keeping it in a healthy way. I've always kind of thought that was cool. You'd be like, let's go for a bike ride or let's go and go for just a nice healthy walk. Um, and I think that people really do like to do that and like they have somebody who's initiating that as an option because a lot of the times people are like let's go out for drinks or for yeah. food um as yeah. the only social option and you know there's not as many healthy options so like even how you said having the pilates studio to go to is just social you're still socializing but you're being healthy and you're improving not just like the social part of it, but like your physical and your spiritual and just so many important things that get touched on in that. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool if we all sort of made an effort every week to sort of create a space um, for ourselves to connect with others, but in a way that we, we say this is positive and healthy. Um, yeah. I, I listen to this podcast, uh, Sarah Heath does, and it's called Making Space, Making Spaces. Mm -hmm. And I love this concept that she interviews all of her uh, friends and stuff on how they make space for a certain type of conversation or for certain, you know, situations. How do they make space? And so, yeah, it would be kind of cool if people took up this idea of creating a space or an opportunity for them to connect with their friends in a way that feeds their soul um, and not just their belly. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. And um, I'm curious to know, are you the kind of person who 
like if you see something that you like about somebody are you the kind of person who's like I gotta say something to this person and they need to know or are you more so the kind of person that's like wow that's really nice but I'm just gonna keep it to myself Hmm. I think if I, I think I'm always looking to connect people. So I'm always inquisitive on uh, what someone's working on or what they want to work on or what they're passionate about, because then I, I want to connect them. I'm, I'm a connector. I'm just always, I'm, I'm always doing that. If only I got paid for it. I'm always, always connecting. That's, I don't know what it is. It's just a bizarre thing, but um, yeah, like last last week, somebody was looking for um, a certain type of professional service. I reached out to a friend I hadn't seen in a while. Um, we got caught up. That person who wanted the professional service ended up not even being around when this showed up. Um, so we got caught up and then she mentioned her daughter was trying to get into a new career. So I reached out to a friend of mine who's surround in that career. And then he made a contact and the, her daughter is starting a job on Monday. Wow. Like seven, seven days later. Um, so I'm just, that's my thing. I'm just, if, if there's any way of tracking it, you're just like, whoa, like all these connections. And then- that's awesome. Yeah, so I, I will put myself out there, but not so much just in a way of, of complimenting, more in a way of connecting. That's so true. I remember like, even when I just, when we were out at the market, um, you're like, oh, you should interview this person. <laughs> yeah, it was Kevin. And you're just like, you should interview Kevin. And I was like, I yeah. will. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, it's crazy. You do, you do a really good job at networking other people. You're like the networker crazy I don't I don't know why <laughs> cool it's cool because um that you do seek um to know what like fires other people up and how you can like make more of that by like merging people and like you know making like two single um flames into one huge flame and like creating something even bigger which yeah. is what's happening you're like one yeah. of those think people in the world who are like the world needs that they need people who connect other people because that's where like, it's like you're creating creativity. <laughs> yeah. And I, th I think like, uh, I think, I don't know why I do it. And it does, uh, it does require sort of being a little bit um, curious, obnoxious, inquisitive, all these different things, depending on who you're talking to, but, uh, um, but it's fun, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. I'm, I'm, that was a really great answer. And um, so like with the, I'm, I'm curious, actually, I want to touch on Ayurveda. Um, right. So it, it, that has to do with eating and living almost like a holistic, holistically, but like in alignment to the individual. Is that, is that right? Yeah, so there's textbooks written on Ayurveda for sure. So it can get very complex, um, but uh, I guess, let's see how to describe it. Everybody is a certain size, right? Like, and when I go to the clothing store, <clears throat> just cause, you know, a size six fits you really well, doesn't mean it's gonna fit me really well. 
But sometimes when you look at our approach to like choosing diets or, you know, trends and things like that, we kind of forget that maybe we're all a little bit of a different size. So Ayurveda is trying to help you understand what size you are in the context of your constitution. Um, so, you know, that might mean that there's a certain uh, energy that you wake up with in the morning. There's a certain time of day you naturally wake up in the morning. Um, and that's likely to be very different from someone you know. They just are like, I don't wake up energized in the morning. What do you mean you wake up at 5 a.m.? and you're energized and you, you know, meditate or go for a run, you know, there are the people who are like, I'm still trying to open my eyes at 11 in the morning and I'm, and I'm walking around the world. So very different, right? Um, and so a lot of times you can look at people's sleeping habits, um, look at how they eat, look at some of the emotions that uh, show up for them in a positive or a negative way. Um, and then you can go deeper and look at sort of the things they're good at, the way they execute life, right? So, um, you know, uh, are they, um, you know, from, an, from, a, from a career or vocation kind of perspective, I've always sort of said to people, understand the role that you love to play in any environment. Um, yeah, so I think, I think naturally, and this is this is a thing that I'm still trying to sort out in a in a framework or a system, is if I were creating a company and hiring people, could I use the knowledge of constitution to put them uh, into the right role or job in my company? And if my company needed to accomplish something, are there certain people that are gonna be more instrumental in that than others, right? So I feel like there's people who follow rules really well, follow you know, a tried and true process really well, and you just give them the order of things to do. And they're like, thank you for that order of list one to 10, I'm gonna follow that. But then there's other people who are like, you know, they look at that list of one to 10 and they immediately try to juggle the list. They're like, no, no, one shouldn't go first. Eight should go first. We need to rethink this. We need to redo this. So they're bringing a lot more strategy thinking to it. Whereas the other person is probably bringing a lot more efficiency because they just follow the rules and get it done and pass it on to whatever's coming next. So I think that if we had more insight and awareness on that we might understand why we're fitting into a job well or why we're not um and organizations might even be able to understand you know why they're not innovating and it's maybe because they have defined processes uh that they're measuring people on in terms of their timelines there's no nobody in that framework who's happily working in that framework who's ever going to innovate for you right they're just going to keep following the rules and when you try to bring change into it those people are going to dig their heels in because they don't like change and that's not terrible because at times they're the people who create a foundation for your company so they become uh, the, the tried and true foundation 
you know, this is how everything's going to go from morning till night. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's how I've been trying to understand Ayurveda is, is taken into that arena, but on a personal level, um, you know, the first sort of thing that really, uh, intrigued me was that certain constitutions are more prone to depression. Others are more prone to anxiety and others are more prone to stress. And then you look at the long-term health implications of the constitutions. And you look at, you know, things like Alzheimer's, dementia, cancer, um, uh, and then just people who live long, healthy lives. And you're like, what's going on here? And constitutionally, you know, they've, they've studied this for years. So I find it very interesting because I think we could almost take all the diets, all the illnesses, all the whatevers and drop it down into Ayurveda and sort of understand it that constitutionally. Um, and then, you know, like I'm, my constitution is Pitta Vata. So I probably, uh, if I'm out of balance, I trip into stress a lot more quickly than other people would. Um, but in balance, I'm, uh, I can manifest like inspiration for others, passion for others, um, you know, create ideas, brainstorm. But if I'm not in balance, right, then what do I do? Like, do I start to uh, recognize that my sleeping wasn't good, that what I ate this morning is triggering uh, an imbalance and so I just think there's an opportunity to, um, again, to have little micro strategies throughout our day to restore our balance. And I mean, I think for 80% of us, that means going to Starbucks to get a coffee, right? Yeah. Um, somehow it's a reset, but if Starbucks isn't in your town at that moment, um, it's just, yeah, sort of trying to figure out what button can I press to reset, right? What's my control alt delete to reboot? And um, so, yeah, and you know, you can look back and see like where you went wrong, but then rather than letting that slippery slope go, yeah, do, you know, do a strategy that meditative exercise, get outside, um, eat a certain food. Um, yeah. So. Okay. So there's three, is there three constitutions or is there more than three? Primarily, uh, there's three. Um, there's Vata, Pitta, Kapha, um, and then there's there's five there's five energies and three constitutions. So um, Vata would be water and air, air and ether, air and ether. Pitta would be fire and water. Kapha would be earth and water. Kapha is earth and water. Pitta is water, fire. Vata is uh, winds and probably something else. Yeah, so those, so, so if you understand your constitution, be it a Vata, Pitta or Kapha, sometimes there'll be two people who are Kaphas, but one probably has more water in them and the other has more earth in them. And so the water person is a little more sensitive, right? Than the earth person who's very grounded. 
Okay. It is very interesting. When you start to understand the nuances of it, you can understand people's personalities then. And then if they're curious about how to stay in balance, they can begin to make choices around what time they go to bed at, what time they wake at, what they do first thing in the morning, what they eat first thing in the morning, um, you know, and what other things they can do during the day that are resetting for them or rebalancing. Yeah, it's cool. So it's so important um, to know those kinds of things. I've always been curious about just, you know, understanding people's temperament individually and their, you know, what food set them off or what, you know, help to, you know, recenter them and their, um, the way that they are at work, the way that they are in relationships and everybody's so different. I used to try to just say, I was like, there has to be something, you know, because people like to label people with the Zodiac signs and people like to label each other just with different things. But I think uh, with Ayurveda, it's, it's ancient, right? It's, it's been around yeah. for a long time and there's specific plants and herbs that that are part of you know how mm -hmm. that the people would have and um i'm still very very like you know i don't know really anything about it but i've heard people speak about it i think it's really interesting and something i'm going to look into um and do you know if there's like a place where you can do tests to figure out what which one you are yeah, for sure. Oh, there's, there's so many tests online. If you type in Ayurveda or dosha, it's dosha is kind of what most people start with is what's my dosha, D-O-S-H-A. Um, so Joyful Belly uh, is a site that I really, I like because once you do your test, um, it starts to send you information. Um, and, and then he does like seasonal stuff, right? So every season, has an energy right like spring has lots of water in it you know winter has lots of wind in it so no matter what you are you know what surrounds you is also going to impact um how you're feeling and so then you make adjustments to your diet or your sleeping or your social habits um in alignment and you know that's that's how you stay healthy and happy um but it's also it's funny because uh I've, I've also realized that your dosha can also impact how you behave with your money. Ah. So, so kaphas uh, are very uh, much, they're builders, right? They're strong and they tend to have greater longevity because um, they have healthier immune systems mostly. So on a, on a subconscious or some type of level, these people save their money. And it makes sense if you kind of tie that story together, you're like, they're builders. Um, so they save their money, but they also have great longevity. So they're gonna need a lot of money, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. if you wanna tie the crazy together, the pittas are, um, the pittas are all about, uh, 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 they're passionate, right? They're passionate. So. They're always coming up with ideas. Um, they like luxury, um, but pittas don't necessarily save as well because they always figure they can make money tomorrow. Like, right? so there are the ones who are like, I can go make millions tomorrow. 
right? So a um, little delusional, <laughs> delusional. Um, so, so then they don't have great habits from the get-go necessarily. And then vatas uh, are people who keep things in motion, right? So they're the wind, they keep it in motion. So they don't know how much money they have or how much they're spending. It's just a whirlwind. Just in the wind. <laughs> yeah. So, so behaviorally, because most of what's happening in the industry of wealth management, the biggest amount of research, you know, beyond investing is going into behavioral finance because that's, um, that's where we're at today, right? It's, it's up to us to have the right behaviors. Whereas, you know, 30 years ago, our parents just worked for the same company and had a pension. Yeah. So now, so now it's, it's more individual, more behavioral. So is everything in life right now. They're like, we're not as institutionalized anymore. We're more living individual lives and, you know, less, less sort of constructed around the nine to five world. So, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, so the Ayurveda to me uh, explains the, the position of so many people that I know in terms of um, their money and where they're at. That's cool. That is really cool. <laughs> Just another reason I'm going to look into it and figure out what I am. I'll let you know what I am. <laughs> I, I know. I know what you are. What do you think I am? You're Kappa predominantly, um, but you might have a little bit of uh yeah there, there's there's always a bit of a blend but predominantly your kapha okay and what about me is makes me kapha is and am i more like one element to the other Wait, um, i i would i would think you're a kapha with a predominant earth component because you're very kind and loving um and warm. And that's the most predominant trait of kappas is um, they're very warm, kind people. They're the huggers. They're the huggers of the world. Yes. Yeah. That's really cool. So I'll do the test and I'll let you know what you're going to be probably spot on. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, let me know. <laughs> I'll let you know. I'm excited. So, so I can do that on Joyful Belly. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm going to yeah. do it. Do, you, do the questionnaire and then do it again a week later because sometimes like as much as I'm blonde, like the roots might be a little dark. So if I am asked what color my hair is, um, my first response is I'm blonde. But, you know, then I'll get real and think about it. I'm like, nah, I'm a brunette or a dirty blonde, right? So yeah. most of the times our first response to it um, might not be uh an examined response let's just say right right yeah, so you can true. do do it a second time yeah that's awesome do you have any other um like things that you use or like tests that you've done to help kind of increase your self-awareness because ayurveda is like a huge that's really all-encompassing and i i'm mm -hmm. fascinated by it already i'm like i gotta learn more about this <laughs> Um, but is there anything else that you use? Um, so you, I already know you do so much like you do with the Ayurveda, with the Pilates, that's very, um, and you said when you do, you need teach it, you combine it with like yoga and bar, barre. Yeah. Um, so you uh, have yeah. including all these other things into it. And even when we do it, you speak about opening your heart center. Does that come from yoga? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a yoga cue. Like yoga, 
and Ayurveda are like Ayurveda is the sister science to yoga. Okay. So most of what you're learning about in yoga or meditation um, can probably be connected or traced back to concepts from Ayurveda. It's just that when yoga came to North America, it came in physical form, but Ayurveda and meditation kind of followed after, um, right? Bringing some of the more spiritual, emotional elements to it. So yeah, uh, yoga has, like you can adjust your yoga practice based on your constitution, right? So um, as a Pitta, I need to surrender a lot um, because Pittas are passionate so we can get um, a little bit control oriented at times. So uh, I have to surrender. So opening your heart is a surrendering posture. Um, getting outside is a way to surrender control. Um, and so, um, and I also wouldn't be inclined to do like a really intense workout because I overheat and Pitta has fire in them already. So an intense workout that overheats me um, is actually gonna be imbalancing for me. It's gonna stress me out. It's gonna create higher cortisol levels. Um, I'm gonna be looking for carbs to um, reduce heat because carbs are considered sweet and sweet is considered a cooling energy. So by understanding that I'm Pitta, you know, someone's like, I'm going to go do a really intense boot camp at eight in the morning. And I'm like, I'm not <laughs> like, it's just, it's very imbalancing for me. It kind of is a really disrupts my day. Um, so, but then for a Kapha, Kaphas often uh, thrive on a really intense workout and they need that kind of intense movements. If you just think about earth and water, it needs fire, right? Mm -hmm. And intensity. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It can be very intense. <laughs> um, that's awesome. That's really cool. And like the way that do you do you meditate also? Uh, I don't sit and meditate. I'm a I walk. Um, so I think some in some people's uh, line of thinking, walking is meditation, meditative. Um, so yeah, but uh, you know, they say meditation, you have to be an expert to meditate and sit all day long and do like, that's, that's hard to do. I think if you just find a space that helps you, um, to get the little voice in your head to say, it's going to be okay. I think, I think that's what kind of meditation we should all be doing is it's going to be okay. Meditation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's just really, it's about, um, awareness so like when you are going for a walk it's not a thinking about you know like what are you going to do after the, your walk it's like being right. present on your walk you know feeling the wind feeling the ground under your feet listening to the crunch of your feet on the ground and you yeah. know smelling the flowers so it's it's about being really that's what I think yeah and about being aware they have they have something called labyrinth walking so you know labyrinth is like just in all these uh paths woven together um but they have no destination right so you can't get to the end fast because there really is no end it's just like oh, dipsy doodle so labyrinth walking is also very meditative because you stop you know creating a goal around it or an end to it and you just meander 
Yeah, that's actually really interesting. I was, I was always the kind of person who wouldn't go and do things on my own because I thought I would need other direction. Like I would need a leader. Um, But then as as I told you, I was just in BC by myself. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to do nothing because I'm alone. So I forced myself to go by myself and I traveled and I walked around and I found it very exciting that I could just walk with no um, intention on doing anything, just walking, just like, no, I'm not going to this specific restaurant. I'm not going to this specific place. I'm just going to go where I feel like going um, and just enjoy the, that adventure, whatever it brought me. And um, it was really cool. I saw so many cool things that I would, wouldn't have seen otherwise. And I found it, I found a lot more sense of meaning for myself being on my own and being able to just not need to have a destination. And I guess that's really similar to labyrinth walking, which I had never heard of before. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty rich to like, to take time in your life and just meander and um, yeah, shut down all the other sort of dialogue that might happen with people, right? Um, yeah, it's yeah. pretty rich, yeah. It's a good reset. It really is. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I have a couple final questions that I like to ask people at the end. And um, that one question is, if you were able to create one law, what would it be and why? Mm, The law would be that um, you have to connect with somebody every day. Nice, that's really good. That is really good. Okay. And what do you think is one of the biggest problems that you're the most passionate about that needs solving right now? Um, Self-promotion and self-serving agendas. Right. I think that I would love to have a day, you know how they designate every day something. I'd like to designate a day as cross promotion day where any post that you make can only be you promoting someone else and not yourself. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> that's so, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's like your thing too. It's just get another, it, can, and it does feel good to connect to other people or to bring someone else up. And so if people just, it feels good because you know, you're making someone else feel good and you're doing it out of service for someone else and not yourself. It's good for balancing that ego, right? It was, um, so a church that I went to years ago, he said, um, in the context of community, he said, don't worry about taking care of yourself. Take care of someone else and they'll be taking care of you. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that. And another question for you, if you were to meet the version of yourself from 10 years ago, what would you mm. tell them? Save money. <laughs> Do your own. Do your own manicures. Do your own manicures. <laughs> save money. All right. I got to go get a kit. <laughs> I, go get I will do that. I'll take that advice. <laughs> um, save money. And that's perfect. And then if there was anything, what do you think there was one thing that you wish was never invented? Oh my gosh, I don't even know. Oh, that's the one that gets a lot of people. Online dating sites. Online dating. 
I love that. <laughs> because I feel like, I feel like it's the biggest time waster. It is. It does really yeah. suck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure people are going to have a million opinions on that, but yeah. yeah. Some people have met the loves of their life and I'm so grateful for that. But for the people who just need social need to be in person, huh? Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if there was a different, a different tactic that we had to have in order to meet somebody? Yes. Yeah. Those social gatherings where all the singles go together. Yeah. And meet, mingle. <laughs> I love that, Lynn. So thank you so much for sharing all these things. And um, just quickly, where can people find you if they want to reach out to you, your Instagrams, your, um, your music, your anything? any coaching that you may do or Pilates? Um, so Jalen Stewart, um, Jalen Stewart, MBA.ca, Jalen Stewart.ca. Oh my gosh. I can write I it. I'll put it. I'll put it below in the links. But. Um, yeah. On iTunes, on iTunes, I'm Janice Lynn, J-A-N-I-S-L-Y-N. Um, yeah. So, and then jaylenstewart.ca um, for the money thing. Um, yeah. Janice Lynn for the music thing and uh, intuitive Pilates for the Pilates thing. And those are kind of my, my three of my, three of my stools on my bar stool, three of my legs on my stool. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was awesome. That's amazing. And so I got so much out of this <laughs> and I know uh, people got so much out of this. It was really great. Awesome. Um, so I will link everything below for everybody. And I am going to end this off the way I like to end all of my podcasts and events off. And that is, I want you to stay in motion, to stay in gratitude, stay in expansion, act with intention, be consistent and focus on your goal. But remember, it's not just about achieving the goal, but it's who you become on the way. So keep good company and enjoy the ride. And that is all we have for you today. Thank you, Lynn, for joining me. Amazing. <laughs>